Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. It is your weekly stopping grounds for all of the Rockies news, updates, and hot takes from the past week. Um, appreciate you listening in. As always, my name is Mac Wilcox, and I'm joined by my two associates, Skylar Timmons. If you build it, they will come. He will come. Nice. I was waiting for the who was going to be. I wonder what was going to be the first reference of the day. And Evan Lang. Go the distance. It's creepy when we do it this way. This is not the Halloween episode. We'll get there. <laughs> We're just going to whisper um, the whole episode. <laughs> what's up? So, thank you for joining us on this very special edition. I'm not doing that. It's going to destroy my voice. Thanks for joining us, as always. Affected by Altitude is a major league podcast talking about the Colorado Rockies. It is presented by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliation of SB Nation. And the three of us have been joined by some special guests the last few weeks, but it is just the three of us back to the original crew this go-round. So, as always, we like to open these shows up with a bit of an icebreaker. And uh, this week, following the Field of Dreams game that was taking place between the Yankees and the White Sox in Iowa, my question for the gentlemen this go-round is, what is the next baseball movie that you believe should be adapted into a real regular season game? Any baseball movie, I will accept animated should you choose to go that route. I'm going to go with Little Big League. Little Big League? 
the 1994 classic Little Big League because you could have some fun with that where it's like a, a contest thing. You enter your, your kid to win, and if your kid wins, they get to manage the game. Are you going to hate me if I don't know what movie that is? Oh, <gasps> man, really? I know, I know. I feel like this is horrible. I know. I feel like I just made some enemies. This is rough. So I'm actually not Yeah, I'm not going to hate you or anything, because I actually had not seen uh, this movie until last year or so when my roommate demanded I watch it. And it was really enjoyable, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, Rocky's hitting coach, uh, Dave Magadan, is in it. No way. Yeah. Yeah! Sick. Oh my goodness, look at this crew. Ken Griffey Jr., Lou Piniella, Yvonne Rodriguez, Sandy Alomar. Yeah, they they got a bunch of players from the teams that they had featured in the in the movie, and cool. Like it's it's this whole hypothetical scenario. The movie is about the owner of the Minnesota Twins dies and leaves control of the team to his grandson, as one does. And the grandson makes himself the manager of the team and starts sort of running the show. And it's all about him sort of learning how to be a big league manager, but, like, his issues with trying to balance that with his life outside of the game Uh and having to make tough decisions, like, you know, cutting a player who's not performing really well. It's a good movie. It's it's worth watching. It came out on my birthday when I was one year old. Okay, now I have to watch this movie. Yeah, that movie is, like, low-key. People don't... People often look over it, but, like... Because there's like the two movies about a kid in baseball. There's Rookie of the Year, which is awful. Rookie of the Year was the one I always think hey, of. Hey, yeah, hey, not my favorite. no. Rookie of the it's Year is like, a fun movie. You take that back. It's not like great. It's okay. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I love Little Big League because also Lou Collins, the first baseman, is the brother in the Field of Dreams. So, Oh. There we look go. Look at that connection. I like it. It's so then, next... wait. So then, what's your pick, Skylar? Uh, I... For me, it has to be the Sandlot. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. I would just love sure. him to go play on that play on that field. <laughs> just go find some junkyard field somewhere. Uh, Do you have a dog chasing y'all around the the, the uh, field the whole game? It, it's after the player that hits a home run. They have to go get their own ball, and then they get chased. <laughs> that's crazy. I just really <laughs> like that. That's another one that's gimmick. got a connection to Field of Dreams because James Earl Jones is in it. Yeah. Do all baseball movies take place in the same universe? Our column on Purple Row. I bet they could. Check it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a column on the site. So the movie The Natural, starring Robert Redford. Another um, good one. Spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen it, but this is in like the first 15 minutes of the movie. He gets shot by this crazy lady. And Mm. then I was watching another sports movie. I think it was a basketball movie. I can't remember which one, though. And the same actress shows up in that movie and there's just so many weird little connections between sports movies there are man every okay new column on the site check it out someone's gonna write it why every baseball movie ever takes place in the same universe the only one that probably doesn't is my pick and that's everyone's hero and first of all for those of you that know what this movie is and have seen it i feel your pain but also this is a weird movie. It's an animated movie. I love animation. It's an it's a 2006 animated movie, and it 
stars this kid in like you know 1920s New York who like really wants to play for the Yankees and he has a talking baseball and a talking bat and it is so bizarre it is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life uh Rob Reiner is the baseball and then uh Whoopi Goldberg is his bat and Babe Ruth uh shows up in the movie uh to like you know let the kid like hit a home run it's it's a weird weird movie but the reason I want it to be adapted into a real baseball game is because I think the idea of having baseballs be voiced by celebrities while they are being crushed sounds fun. <laughs> what is this casting? Yeah. yeah. Rob Reiner, so... Whoopi Goldberg, William mm-hmm. H. Macy, Robin mm-hmm. Williams, Forrest Whitaker, Brian Dennehy, Raven Simone, Mandy Patinkin, Christopher Reeve in his final role. Yep. Ed and Helms, Richard Kind. What on earth? I've never even heard of this movie. And yeah. I like oh, animated yeah. movies. I've never heard of this. It's because it's, like, resoundingly not very good. <laughs> like, it's just super incredibly mediocre. Like, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of really terrible movies. This is not that. But it's just not a very good movie. So, there's my Sterling review. Go check out Everyone's Hero. And then, obviously, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what fictional movie... Uh, baseball movie you would like to see adapted into a real regular season game a la field of dreams uh hopefully you guys have better ideas than everyone's hero because it it would be a horror show but i like horror shows so i'm about it okay with that ridiculousness out of the way let us get to work as we always do and as we always do we start off with rocky's news in the past week a fairly quiet week for rocky's news unless you are one cj crone who is absolutely popping off he received Player of the Week honors recently uh, because of his unbelievable power surge, hitting multiple home runs, uh, especially at home. He was a man on fire in a home series that saw a lot of offensive highlights. He was the one that led the charge. So I guess I'll ask you both two questions. The first being just what do you take from the C.J. Crone week that he's had? But more specifically, do you think that the general positive uh, outcomes that he has brought to the offense this season in a very, as we all know, struggling offense, especially on the road, CJ Crone's been like a pretty consistent highlight for them. Is he someone you see as re-signable for the future? How long into the future? What is his contribution? Or do you think, great, appreciate you for the fun we had this year. Good luck to you in your future endeavors. So kind of open floor, CJ Crone, what is the take? So I love CJ Crone. I was pretty happy when we uh, signed him to a minor league contract at the uh, during the offseason because I've sort of followed him and some of the other teams he's been at, especially when he was at uh, Detroit last year, when he's with the Twins and when he's with the Angels. Really, really like him. And the um, one of the major issues with his career thus far has been his injuries. He had some major knee surgery before the season this year, and it looks like it's really, really helped him out. And he's been excellent, especially at home. So at home, he's slashing 301, 402, 660. His OPS mm-hmm. is 1.062. The issue, though, are his, like almost every other Rockies hitter right now, is his road splits. Right. Uh, away from Coors Field, like every other Rockies hitter, he's not doing so hot. Uh, with a slash of 208, 328, 302. Uh, three home runs on the road compared to his 15 at home. Yeah. But 
we've seen him at least he's getting base hits at least in the uh, series against the Astros and the series that just started against the Giants. One of the main things that I am a big fan of CJ Crone for is he does have that power in his bat, especially during that last stretch of that home um, home stand against the Marlins, where he had two two home run games, including a grand slam. He tied the franchise record for most RBIs in a three-game series. Uh, Larry Walker held the record at 13, and he tied it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his teammates really seem to look up to him as sort of a, a veteran leader, which I know the Rockies' front office really values, but it can be important. And I've been talking about on my Twitter and on our uh, internal channel where all of us writers tend to tend to chat about our article stuff, is that I don't think it would be a bad idea to sign C.J. Crone to a, a two- or three-year deal after this year, especially because the heir apparent at first base is Michael Toglia. Right. And he just reached A Hartford. He's struggling a little bit to adjust. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to go at you know, the 2022 season or the beginning of the 2023 season. So what's the harm of having CJ as a good veteran power hitting first baseman, which is something that the Rockies really have struggled to have mm-hmm. since, you know, Todd Helton even left. And if you do sign him to more than two years, then you have the added bonus of he can be the designated hit- hitter when we need him to be. Because um, we're all expecting the universal DH to come in at the 2022 season after the new CBA is signed, if hopefully the new CBA is signed. And I know that CJ specifically joined the Rockies because he had a chance to compete for an everyday first baseman role and to try and prove that he could be an everyday first baseman. But I think the ability to have him be either the first baseman or the DH could be really valuable, especially when there's not a whole lot of first base prospects outside of triple a they're going to be ready to go anytime soon so we have colton welker but he can play both corners um connor joe has been playing a lot of left field right now instead of first base which um i'm totally fine with so i think there's nothing to lose by extending him an offer to stick around for another year or two so you're pretty cool with basically him holding it down until someone like Toglia comes up and really takes over for the future. Pretty much. Right on. Skyler in agreement? Uh, somewhat. Uh, somewhat. Cause, somewhat. Yeah, because I, I love C.J. Crone. I love all the puns, the Crone Zone, Crone Saw, <laughs> uh, all that good stuff. Man, I love what he's been able to do this season. He's that first baseman that the Rockies have been looking for for several years. Um, after signing non-first baseman to play first right. base. And, you know, he, he has been putting in a pretty decent season. Uh, fairly good, one of the better seasons that we're seeing on this Rockies roster. And well-deserving of that Player of the Week award. Well, he's hitting five fifty six in that entire series. And you know, it, it's been good to see him all season, but... I'm only hesitant because I need to know what the Rockies' plan is for the rest of the positions mm. before I bring in C.J. Crone. Because 
who's going to play shortstop after Troy Tul- or not Troy Tulowitzki? He's been gone after Trevor <laughs> Story uh, presumably leaves. Who fills that void if they slide Brendan Rodgers over there, who plays second? Maybe they move Ryan McMahon there, and then maybe Colton Welker can take over third base because interesting. even with Colton Welker coming back from his suspension, he's been tearing it up already uh, mm-hmm. in his little minor league rehab stint, basically, uh, where he's getting his rhythm back there in AAA, picking up right where he left off in that spring training. So if he's ready to break the roster next season, well, then if he takes over third, I'm okay with then, yeah, you have C.J. Crone play first. But if they decide to put somebody else at short and leave Rodgers at second, presumably you leave McMahon at third, and then maybe you put Welker or McMahon at first, somebody over there. So it, I'd love to see him back if it fits the plan that hopefully the Rockies have. Uh, so it's still kind of up in the air. I'm for bringing him back. But if he's blocking somebody else who needs that playing time who's ready in our organization, I'd rather see him go have success somewhere else where the team that's in the rebuild, we can bring in our young guys and just start giving them those reps. So sure. ultimately the Rockies just need a plan of what they want to do with their infield and replacing the pieces that are going to be leaving. Wait, Skyler asking for the Rockies to have a real clear plan? Now, hold on now, brother. Yeah, that's we, not how that works. You're asking for a lot here, my man. You must yeah, be we, new here. <laughs> we got to wait for a guy to have his all of his options used up before we give him that constant playing time. So, oh, Michael Togley is still – and Colton Welker probably have a few more years before they're able to get those reps. That's right. We'll see you boys in 2025. Uh, speaking of Togley and Welker, just a quick shout-out to our guys, Kenneth Weber Justin Wick, they do a great job on our uh, brother podcast, sister podcast, another podcast, a Purple Row host. That is the Pepper Report. Make sure you guys check them out on Spotify, any other spot. You guys like to listen to your podcast. They do a great job breaking down the Rockies minor league system. Uh, Some of the names we're going to mention on this podcast, they really get into the details of. So give them a listen for sure. And it's good that you mentioned kind of the – or actually, before I get into that, I guess I'll ask you this then. Skyler, do you because you mentioned kind of bringing up the guys like the Welkers and uh, potentially the Toglios, like is that your preference? Let's say for the immediate future, let's say for next year, if the Rockies decide the Welker is ready to get those everyday reps at third base, would you rather have that be the everyday situation as opposed to having CJ Crone starting at first base? I think so. Uh, if you can, uh, it's I'd just like to see them start to use their young guys more that are clearly ready uh, Mm because there's several of those guys down in the minor leagues like Ryan Valade, who's Mm -hmm. really been showing like he's ready to start coming up and some of those other guys that are kind of knocking on the door. And so that would be my preferred situation is guys that are ready and ready to just take that next step and, you know, really signal that we're in rebuild mode or, you know, start the new generation to start coming up. That's the ideal situation I'd like to see. Something interesting you brought up is, you know, if we leave Brendan Rodgers at second base, if slash when Trevor Story leaves, but outside of Alan Trejo and maybe Ryan Vallade, who's been much more of a corner outfielder recently, there's not a whole ton of guys who are ready to go or potentially able to break camp at the shortstop position Mm. for next year. Mm -hmm. So it, would work out that you could shift 
Rogers over to shortstop, his natural position, and McMahon over to second, where he's proven more than competent. Uh, Colton Welker has done reps at first base, but he is naturally a third baseman, and that does sort of leave that spot open. A lot of what's going to happen, I think, depends on what the Rockies decide to do with players who are starting to hit arbitration, like Raimel Tapia and Garrett Hampson. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is good, man. I think you guys are both making good points, and I and I kind of like the... I, I, so much of it really does come down to, the, again, the central question we run into so often, which is, like, what's the actual plan? Because you're right. I think if the Rockies are still trying to compete right now, which I want to make clear I don't necessarily think is the move, but if that's the direction they choose to go in, it's probably not the worst idea to have C.J. Crone snagging those reps. Like Evan said, man, just like a really consistent, solid veteran. But if we are going to go ahead and just go full-on rebuild and just sort of own up to what the situation is then i'm sort of leaning towards skyler which is let's let the kids play man and just give them their reps cj appreciate you you know maybe come back on a on a bench deal you know you never know but i like that let's keep it moving so next thing we mentioned a little bit about guys getting opportunities we're going to see more of that here we've had some injuries recently the rockies uh, rymel tapia went on the injured list he's got something going on with his foot shouldn't keep him out for too terribly long they say that he'll only need the minimum time on the injured list to make a comeback but he is officially, as of this recording, on the injured list. Brennan Rogers has got something going on with his hand that's been bothering him, keeping him out of the lineup recently. Uh, it's because of that we've had opportunities for guys like Taylor Motter, recently called up uh, to assist the Rockies. He's been DHing for them, getting some more playing time. Uh, nothing that really needs like a whole big breakdown. But what do y'all think of this? Um, you know, with Tapia and Rogers again, with these two young stars, we're really kind of seeing come into their own. What have you seen out of Taylor Motter so far? His first, to be fair, very, very, very small sample size in the major leagues. Just anything you guys have on these uh, injuries and Motter's um, come up to the major leagues? Not much, honestly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's only got seven at-bats, and he's uh, yet to record a hit. He has walked twice and only struck out once, which is great. Big fan of that. But he needs to start putting the bat to the ball, and that's something he's always, always struggled with at a big league level. His big league slash is only 191, 263, 312, good for a career B-war of negative .8. He's really bounced around a lot. He was drafted by the Rays. He didn't make his debut until 2016 where he struggled. He went to the Mariners. He bounced around their farm system. He's bounced around with the Twins and the Athletics. He went to Korea, where outside of some minor controversial stuff, he was let go because he was slashing 114, 135, 200 with the KBO's Kiwum Heroes. It's just, at the professional level, at the big league level, he's always really struggled to put it together. And even in the minor league level, he's never really been that good. This year has been an enigma because he hasn't hit over 250 in affiliated ball since a stint with the AAA Tacoma Rainiers and the Mariners organization in 2007 where he hit 350. But then all of a sudden this year he's in Albuquerque on a minor league contract he slashed 335, 460, 759 with 57 RBIs and 24 home runs and was just mashing and tearing the cover off the ball. And 
we need to see if he can finally translate that to a big league level here if we're going to be giving him regular playing time. I'm absolutely on board with the Rockies giving him regular playing time. He's certainly earned the opportunity for how he's done in Albuquerque, especially when, you know, season's lost. We have not that many games left to go. And, you know, there's no reason for him to not be getting the opportunity. I'm super happy for him, but we do need to see... I think in relatively short order, him be able to translate what he's been doing in Albuquerque mm-hmm. onto the big league team. Cool. So just looking for that consistency, as we always do with these young guys. What do you think, Sky? We got anything else to add to this? Uh, kind of jumping back to what we were talking about with Toppy and Brendan Rogers. Uh, I think something Taylor Motter kind of ties into this too, of just people putting the bat on the ball. And that's something they've kind of missed a little bit since losing the two of those two mm-hmm. two of those guys. That they're just losing those guys that can put the bat on the ball in the in the lineup. Because uh, to, having Tapia and Rogers kind of cementing themselves near the top of the lineup, or even Rogers a little bit further down, uh, they've kind of been two forces that really helped spark this offense. Yes. And we've kind of missed out on them, uh, especially here on the road. Because oh, Brendan Rodgers has been one of the team's best hitters on the road. Uh, looking up his splits here, where he's hitting 280 on the road. Oh, he's got an on-base percentage of 351, and he's slugging 540 on the road. He has more home runs on the road than he does at home at Coors Field, uh, which is always fun to see those random stats. Yeah. So it, we're just missing these guys who you know – have done a little bit better job cutting down on their strikeouts and put the ball in play at least. Uh, sometimes it's not always the best uh, result when they're putting the ball in play, but they at least put the bat to the ball. And that's something that really helps play when they're on the road, especially when you need a couple of those guys who can cut down on strikeouts. Because when they go out on the road, that's something the Rockies keep struggling with is they just can't pick up the ball and they're swinging it who knows what right and racking up the strikeouts so we're missing out on those two guys who can really help spark that lineup and you know just like i said that's something we'd like to see from guys like taylor motter who's up and you know at this point in the season you're going to bring up those type of guys who really don't have i guess per se a real lasting future with the team we're here to just fill spots and take at bats and really just help fill in gaps for the team so they can get through a game and that's what i like to see from taylor myers just put the bat on the ball and yep. get those nice solid compact swings get those nice hits you know replicate what you were doing in albuquerque because mm. uh, that's something you gotta replicate and you know, we see so many of these guys that fall into the quadruple a player where they tear it up in in the minors but then they can't figure it out at the big league level so Yep. Uh, he has that potential. No, he's played at the big league level, but he's really got to find that find that late bloom success. And uh, how many times did he come up with runners in scoring position in in Houston, and then just kind of mm-hmm. came up empty? Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's some things the Rockies need to figure out there with that lineup, especially those problems with depth that they've had. Right. And it's good you mentioned depth because we've talked so much this season about. You know, even before the podcast, we just talked so much about the 
rise of these guys like Rodgers and Tapia in what's been a pretty rough season. We love seeing these guys really progress and advance in their careers and become these consistently, you know, consistently solid top of the order hitters. So yeah, losing them. And then like you just said, Skyler, putting this young guy, Taylor Motter, in a position of now you've got all these runners on scoring position in a role that you might not be so used to, you know, leads to some more offensive struggles, which is the last thing the Rockies need, which ties into our next topic here. We'll do this. We'll knock this out before we head to our quick first break here is the Rockies offensive struggles. It's so interesting because we saw a homestand versus the Marlins and the Cubs with an explosion of offense. We saw that game against the Marlins about a week ago where it looked like a football game. You know what I mean? And then they go to Houston and they get shut out again. Uh, I'll let Evan kind of take this one here because I know Evan specifically wanted to talk about the shutouts. So before I get anything else, Evan, what do you have on shutouts for us? It really is such a tough bounce back. So we, we, we all know the course hangover. We all know, you know, how it tends to go with this team, but it really is agonizing. We're after an absolutely explosive series against the Marlins and the Cubs against the Marlins. We had two games where we put up more than 10 runs, 14 runs in the first game, seven runs in the second game, 13 in the third, lots of home runs, 34 total runs scored. And then they go to Houston and it's just a big wet, nothing where they get completely blanked. And then game two against Houston, they only put up one run and shutouts have been a problem for this Rockies team, a pretty big one. So as of yesterday, the first game against the San Francisco Giants, where the Rockies got blanked again, the Rockies have been shut out a running team record 15 times, all of which are on the road. The previous record for the team was 13, and now we're just going to keep adding to that record. That's a lot of times to get shut out. The last team to get shut out 15 times in a single season were the 1978 Chicago White Sox. And the next step up from that, for us being the most shutout team on the road in over 40 years, is the 1978 Atlanta Braves, who were blanked 18 times on the road. There are 24 road games left this season for the Rockies. Every single one of our 15 shutouts, we've been shut out on the road. It is not impossible that we not only go flying past that 18 game record for the Braves, but we have a real not impossible chance of being the most shut out team in over a century. The record stands at 33 games owned by the 1908 St. Louis Cardinals. And if we continue to play like this on the road where we're not putting up runs and it really doesn't matter how well the pitching does, you're not going to get a win if you can't put up any runs. There's, It's not impossible that we break this record and that would be just absolutely brutal. And it's, it's especially frustrating because it still is. We have more shutouts on the road than we have wins on the road. We still only have 13 wins. And the Rockies really need, and I've said this way too many times this year, that something is fundamentally broken about how this team plays on the road. And it really needs to be figured out because strikeouts are way higher on the road. They're just flailing, trying to get hits, trying to do 
something. And it's hurt even more by, you know, having two of our best players on the road in Raimel Tapia and Brendan Rodgers, both of whom have been shut down, at least in the short term, for injury. Raimel Tapia yep. had that toe injury a couple weeks ago against the Padres. And then during the home series, uh, he looked really uncomfortable in the batter's box, and you could tell that he wasn't really able to turn on the Jets like he's normally able to. And then Brennan Rogers took that pitch to the hand, uh, directly to his hand, and it's not broken, which is great, but the trainers are saying they're having a really hard time getting the swelling down, which you can't comfortably swing a bat when your hand's all swollen. So now we've lost two of our most productive offensive guys on the road, and that's just a huge blow to a team that's already been really bad on the road. And I'm not really sure where we go from here because the shutouts are going to keep coming. And I'd very much not like to be the, uh, the most shutout team in over a century. That wouldn't be fun. I don't want that to happen. That would not be fun. Yeah. Those 1908 St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I was just kind of looking through some of their stats a little bit earlier. The uh, least attended games in a peacetime setting. They had the least amount of walks ever scored in a major league season. They had the fewest runs scored in a season. Uh, not great. Not a great team to be associated with. One thing I also want to mention is uh, how many times the shutout this season so far, Evan? Yesterday was 15. That is more shutouts than the Rockies currently have road wins. Yep. 13 is, road wins. For those of you keeping score at home, that is uh, not great. So, I know we've talked about this. What's the answer? What do we? What is? What can be done at this point of the season? I'm asking both of y'all here. Anything you guys got for me, you know, send it up to Bill Schmidt. What is the move at this point to get the offense, not even, like, to an acceptable level, just better? Like, how do you score a run on the road? What do y'all have? If anything, is there anything to be done? Yeah, I think some even just looking at their at-bats, it's just awful pitch selection um, where they're chasing outside of the zone. And I know it's a hard part with you know, sliders and everything breaking more at, you know, when, once you leave altitude. But still, like these are professional hitters, and these are things they dealt with if they were in the Rockies system. You know, they played in high-altitude areas, in AAA, whether it be in Albuquerque or if they played in Colorado Springs with the Sky Sox at one point, you know. But most of these guys were there down there in Albuquerque, which still it's it's still high altitude, and still not as high as up in Denver. Uh, it's still a little bit lower, or it's somewhere close around there. So th they should be used to it down there in that minor league level, or at least have a better idea of how to adjust to it. But here at that major league level, it's just looking at their pitch selection and not knowing the zone uh, where they're getting frozen uh, on fastballs right down the middle of the plate. They're chasing a slider that's in the other batter's box. You know, it, it's just recognizing that zone and having good patience, which is something to go back to C.J. Crone. It's something that he's done very well this season is yes. of most of the guys, he's been very good and patient at the plate and having good plate discipline and drawing walks. And uh, that's something that the teams really struggle with is just that pitch selection. And so if they can just you no know, even go up there with that game plan of 
oh, I'm not going to swing until it's a fastball you know, around this certain area and pick their spot and then look for it. I don't know if they just need to simplify it back down and you know, just the very basic ideas of what a hitting approach should be. Uh, they just got to go back to basics probably. Yeah. Yeah. CJ Crone and Connor Joe, really two of the guys who are controlling the strike zone and controlling the batter's box. But I think a big thing that needs to happen, and this is something that I've harped on plenty about, is the Rockies need to revamp, fully stock up, and get into analytics, research, and player development. Because if the team had a well-utilized, fully stocked and competent research and analytics department, this is the first thing that they would be working on. And we just don't have that. We have an outsourced research and player development team. We don't have a lot of the personnel in that sort of department. We're one of the smallest analytics departments in all of Major League Baseball. And we've been one of the slowest to accept and move into that sort of field of baseball. And I think that's so important. And honestly, this season, probably not going to be able to do anything about it. But the very first day of the off season, it should be hire an actual team president from outside of the organization. That team president hires then a general manager from outside the organization. The two of them completely restock and get set up with a all new modern analytics department and then you go from there a lot of this was covered in our fellow writer joel milholm's article today uh friday the rock pile about how the san francisco giants are finding their success and that is something that we can emulate is a smart team president brought in from outside the organization who then hires all of that staff and moves us into the right direction or at the at the end of the day, even too, if something they could do right now is just go watch tons of video of what Todd Helton would do in that bat. Because I don't know how many times that dude would just foul off like 17 pitches mm-hmm. and then, oh, here's my walk, or just drop a bomb. And, you know, <laughs> and that's in the area where, there, area where there wasn't as much analytics. So even just, you know, finalizing that approach and everything and, work with that analytics, just figure out their approach you know, so we can get a team full of Max Muncy's who's just w- infuriatingly <laughs> good at walking. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, yeah. Uh, so analytics, I like I like the answer to the analytics because we, you know, have talked at length about that, not really Rocky's forte, and it would sure be nice to get back involved with all that. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We can go a little bit um, on all this. We're going to go ahead and talk – a bit more about the major league and around the um, major league landscape. We're going to talk about, of course, the Field of Dreams game we saw just the other day. We're going to talk about a couple of the races going on as the playoffs get closer and closer. And I'm going to play a quick little game of this or that for my two brothers here. So stick with us through the break. We'll be back here in just a minute. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us through that break. Hopping right back in, uh, like I alluded to before the commercial, we are going to talk a bit about what's happening around MLB, starting, of course, with the lead story of this past week, which must be the Field of Dreams game that was held in Iowa at the uh, titular Field of Dreams between the White Sox and the Yankees. 
Very exciting contest. Uh, the White Sox took the lead early with a home run from Jose Abreu. Yankees then took over for a few innings. White Sox then took the lead again. Pretty much stayed that way for most of the game. And then unbelievable ninth inning where the Yankees scored four runs off of Liam Hendricks to take an 8-2-7 lead. And then the White Sox walked it off against um, Zach Britton via a two-run walkout homer from Tim Anderson. Very, very exciting game in and of itself. What did y'all think of the Field of Dreams experience? What did you think of the layout of the game of anything? What What was y'all's takeaway from the Field of Dreams baseball game experience? I thought it was a, I thought it was fun. Uh, just a really cool stadium they built up. I loved all the corn puns that kept coming out on Twitter. Uh, I I've been like we've mentioned before. No, I love the Field of Dreams. No, uh, it's a it's one of my favorite baseball movies. Uh, like I mentioned before, it's one of the only movies that can make me cry. Uh, and I, I just love what they did with everything. Uh, just a beautiful scenery. Uh, I love bringing baseball to these small towns and these markets that, you know, partly they're blocked out. They're blacked out on the MLB TV, so a lot of them don't even have access to watch Major League Baseball games. Uh, they don't really have their minor league teams there anymore because they're two right. Iowa teams. They got the boot this past off season, oh, and, and so and just this over the the course of this last year. And so, you know, what a great way to bring the game to those people and something that baseball should start doing. Uh, I wish they had brought in some more people, you because know, <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to any of the the interviews, but Kevin Costner. Like, half the time I was just cracking up because he just seemed like he was just this rambling old man this whole time. <laughs> Not untrue. And, no, like, they'd ask him a question. I was watching on the pregame, and they're like, so, Kevin, like, what got, you, what got you into baseball? And he just went off a rant about something about the movie and how it's about fathers and sons and oh, all this other, other stuff. No, and I was just kind of sitting there like, so what got you into baseball? No, but it is fun, and I was cracking up. I mentioned this to people when, when that moment where he comes out of uh, comes out of the corn at the very beginning of the game, and everything, and he's just walking so slowly down the field, and I was just was sitting there thinking, like he looked like somebody that just like was on vacation with his family at the original Field of Dreams spot. But then he wandered off in the corn maze, and he was just a lost senior citizen wandering onto this field. And then all of a sudden, the baseball players come out of the corn, which was yeah. pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so Kevin Costner was cracking me up just because he looks just so out of place there. But everything else was awesome. Great game, explosive ending with Tim Anderson's home run. Uh, mm-hmm. Good job on MLB, and good job on them that they're doing it next year too. Yeah. Uh, balls are juiced, in my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Evan, you in agreement with Skyler? You enjoy this whole situation? The cynical part of me has a lot to say about how it would be a lot better for the game if places like Iowa weren't subject to such draconian blackout restrictions or the fact that Major League Baseball, if they want to grow the game and make it easier for people to watch, needs to end blackout restrictions in general because so many states can't watch teams that they want to watch and it's something that needs to change um 
the fact that Rob Manfred is the latest in a long line of baseball commissioners to refuse the reinstatement of Shoeless Joe Jackson, despite the ah. fact that both he and his teammates maintained his innocence, that all of the quotes of him admitting that he did it are either not true, totally made up, or misattributed, that it was based off Evan the decision of Kennesaw Mountain Landis, day. who yep. is having his name wiped from things, such as the MVP awards, and the fact that the entire game last night was plastered in things for sports betting and sports gambling, as mm-hmm. modern baseball is right now. But the uncynical part of me really, really, really enjoyed the game. They did a fantastic job presentation-wise. The stadium was gorgeous. It was so surreal and interesting. The introductions with Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones and the players walking out of the corn was, like, chillingly good. It was very, very cool and very, very well done. The game itself was an absolute blast. I watched the entire thing. The, what, eight home runs in the game? It was really, really fun and really, really cool and really, really worth watching. And I'm glad that they're going to do it again in the future, but I'd love to see them address some of those things that I talked about in the future as well. Also, those tickets were way overpriced. That one too. (laughs) Yeah, I I believe like getting in the building was like more than a grand. Yeah, They were like, we're bringing baseball to the people of Iowa, but it's impossible for them to go because there's a limited number of seats and they all cost over $1,000. Yep. I think that that's almost exactly where I'm at, Evan. Um, I am pretty much almost spot on with you where I think that the... Everything surrounding it was not great. I didn't love, what, like you just said, I don't want to keep repeating things, but like the ticket prices, you know, the movie Field of Dreams is based on a book about Shoeless Joe Jackson. The main character in the movie opposite um, uh, Kevin Costner is played by Ray Liotta, and it's Shoeless Joe Jackson. Like, it's really strange to me that that, well, it's not strange, I get why, but like, it's a bit disingenuous to me to just have this event and not even mention him or his potential Hall of Fame eligibility and all that. I think that that is a bummer, and I think it's a it's another black spot hot on uh, MLB for having that be the situation, not acknowledging it. All that being said, and all that still being true, I all I also totally agree with Skyler. I thought that the opening of that event with the players walking through the corn is one of the best things I've ever seen in sports uh, of any kind. And I'm a real sucker for, like, emotional moments. Like, I like, I was talking to both y'all before we started recording how, like, I love watching movies and I, you know, I, I'm real sap, you know what I mean? So I, I go for things like that with the music swelling and everything, Costner looking over and the players coming through the corn and the, and the crowd cheering. That got to me. I would be lying to you if I said I was a stone-faced, you know, cynic who did not feel emotion. The game itself was amazing. It was. It was a great game. Um, you know, the, the theatrics at the very end of the game with the walk-off, with the four runs being given up in the top of the ninth, capped off by a home run by Giancarlo Stanton, and then Tim Anderson walking off the home run at the bottom of the ninth. I mean, you put that in a movie and people say this is unrealistic. You know what I mean? I thought that the game itself was fantastic. I was on the phone with my pops the whole game. We were talking it out and everything. 
he's never seen the movie Field of Dreams, so this is just kind of like a cool event for him to watch. He'd never, you know, had that emotional connection to the movie. So basically, exactly what you guys said. All the things surrounding it, the gambling, the pricing, the Jacksoning, all that not great. Game itself, I thought, was fantastic. I am glad that they're considering doing it, or it sounds like doing it again. I think that it's a cool way to reach out to fans. Uh, through that fans that might not necessarily be baseball fans, right? Like there's probably a contingent of people that just like the movie for the movie's sake and will watch this because it reminds them of the movie. So I do think that's cool. Now let's get you as Joe in the hall. Something <laughs> like it's time. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you're like me, but when Kevin Costner walked up at, after everybody walked in, shook everybody's hand and they walked up to the microphone, talked to the crowd. I kept waiting for him to throw out the first pitch and then he never did. Oh, yeah. Like He just stood there with a ball in his hand, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> th- I throw forgot it. about that. <laughs> Wait, so remind me, who threw it out? I don't know if they ever showed anything. Weird. I did not even put that together. Because like, I was waiting for him when he like would have been a perfect moment where he's on the microphone right before throwing out the first pitch. You know, and he, he's like, oh, there's only one thing la- like left to say. And then if he said, like, Dad, you want to have a catch? And then the guy that played his dad walks out and stands at home plate. Like, how awesome right. would have that been? Oh, it would have been heavy. But, that would have been awesome. But instead he, like, has the crowd mumble something about, like, Iowa being heaven. Right. And then he just sort of, like, all right, see you, and then just Walks wanders away. off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it felt like the crowd wasn't really sure what to do because he goes, yeah. let me ask you, is this heaven? And it felt like the crowd was supposed to know that they were supposed to say, no, this is Iowa. But they they didn't. It yeah. was really it was really odd. Um, but it, the, the whole intro up to that point was so good. Like, yeah. I know plenty of people, myself included, who got teary-eyed. I know a lot of people who called their dads after the introduction. It really was a good you know, heartstring tugger of an introduction to a very interesting game. Yeah. Overall, we liked it. Uh, put Shoeless Joe in the Hall of Fame. Hashtag Shoeless Joe. Hashtag Shoeless Joe Hall of Fame. Hashtag Shoeless Joe H-O-F. At me on Twitter. Anyway, uh, onward to one field of dreams where we celebrate the past of Major League Baseball back to the present where we've got some pretty exciting uh, races going on here as the playoffs get closer and closer currently we've got probably the closest race in baseball is in the nl east don't know about you guys bit surprising to me to see that the mets have seriously seriously cooled off uh, as we record today on friday again before uh games have begun for the day or before most of the games have started for the day we start the day with philly uh in first place they are a half game ahead of the mets and Atlanta is one game behind them. Now, those of you that have been following the season all year, which can't imagine there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast that haven't been, the Mets had a pretty commanding lead for most of the season uh, under the support of players like Jacob DeGrom and Zach Wheeler and you know their incredible starting rotation. We've really seen them falter as DeGrom has been hurt. Uh, some of the other pitchers on their staff have not exactly been up to snuff, and they, like the Rockies, have had some offensive issues. So really... Um, I guess, what's your take on the NL East race? If there are any other races you want to specifically call out, feel free to mention it as well. That's just the first one that comes to mind. But any playoff races you two have your eyes on, uh, I'll go ahead and 
Um, did I say Wheeler was a Met? I sure did. How embarrassing. Uh, Evan just chatted me in our little chat room here. He was like, hey, uh, you know, make sure you mention the teams correctly. <laughs> I'm falling apart here. Anyway, any races you guys have uh, as something you re are really keeping your eyes on? Anything that's surprising to you? I'll start with Skylar because uh, I know this is something you were itching to talk a little bit about today. Uh, no, it is in that National League East division. Uh, like we've mentioned before, we're typically that division there's always at least like two or three teams right there in the mix uh, to take the division. And, you know, how cool is it to see, you know, the Phillies who are one of the just awful teams last year, the worst bullpen ERA in history. Oh, they just turn around and now they're leading the National League East. Uh, it, it's it's cool to see that division, you know, to see it so close. I always love to see closer division races. Uh, because us being in the West, how fun is it that we're 23 games out of first place? Whereas, you know, if we were in the National League East, we'd roughly be about 10 games back. So that's always fun to look at, the what-ifs. But yeah, no, it, that one's always cool to look at just to see if the Mets, with all the hype, with their new owner and everything that they've done, you know, that they just end up in the... Even missing out on the wild card, so the the National League East, they're playing. If you want to get in the playoffs, you've got to win the division. Otherwise, you're kind of out of luck because there's a bunch of other teams in the other divisions higher up on you in the wild card. Exactly. Uh, but the other one, that close race still over there in the American League West, you just got the Astros and the Oakland A's battling it out, and then on the outside track is still the Seattle Mariners, just eight games back. And they're only four and a half back in the wild card. So, can the can the Mariners break the curse? Can they make it back to the postseason? I'd love to see it. What's crazy is that the Mariners are six games over five hundred, and they're still mm. that far back and on the outside looking in. So, I'd yeah. love to see them have a surge where where they make it. Uh, as for the NL West, hey, it could be worse. The Rockies are 23 games back, but the Diamondbacks are 38 and a half. Yeah, not great. <laughs> they are... Ooh, boy. Ooh, golly. They are the worst team in... <laughs> They're the worst team in baseball right now by a country mile. And then an interesting parallel to the NL East is the AL East, actually, because that's another fairly close race where the Rays and the Red Sox and the Yankees are all sort of jockeying. The Red Sox just started slumping, and the Yankees just started picking up steam minus the loss yesterday, where that's another one where one of those teams has to be gunning for a wild card because the mm -hmm. division itself is so close. Um, it's it's I really like that. I think it's cool. Um, the Orioles are, of course, comfortably in the basement of that division. But the Blue Jays are actually not that far out of it either. They're only seven and a half games back out of first place. So the fact that that whole division is really on par with one another outside of the Orioles, I think is really cool. And it's also awesome. You take all those teams and then you just hop over to the wild card races for those two spots. And, you know, all those American League teams, a bunch of them, no, even the Angels are only seven and a half back of the second wild card spot. 
outside chance, but then the Mariners only four and a half back, Toronto two and a half, the Yankees two games back of the Red Sox, who have the second spot. So, you know, those this next over the next month, some of those races are going to get really tight, and you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be some exciting playoff baseball before we get to playoff baseball because every single yeah. game counts. Yeah, pretty much the only division that's pretty much locked up is the White Sox. Uh, they, as we start today's recording, are 11 and a half games ahead of the next two closest teams, which are Detroit and Cleveland. Uh, unless they have a pretty catastrophic collapse, they should be pretty much locked in to win that division. But like you guys said, I mean, the East is tight. The West, man, I would love to see the Mariners get in there. Evan has talked a lot about in the past in our little chats that the Mariners are the Rockies uh, of the American League, are they not? That's what I say. They're the I Rockies of the Pacific Northwest. I think it's super fun. I Yeah, I've always liked the Mariners. Obviously, they've got a great history of some of our favorite players that we've mentioned. We're all Ichiro guys, so we got to love um, the history they have there. So I would like to see them get in there. Um, One thing here. Anything else on this? Yeah, it was like in the National League West, at what point do we now just root for it's awful to say, but root for the Giants. Kind of like back in 2018 where everybody was rooting for the Rockies to beat L.A. And we didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but at what point does that whole mindset transition over to the Giants now, who are five games up on the Dodgers in the National League West, to finally dethrone the Dodgers for the division crown? Oh, um, I'm already on that train. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. At what point do we start those chants? <laughs> I would much rather the Giants get, say, Buster Posey because, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it, I'm a huge Buster Posey guy. I think he's a great guy and a great player. And nuts to it, I'd much rather hi- have him get <laughs> nuts to it. another ring than the Dodgers or the you know, that up-and-comer Padres team, let's put them in their place, have the old man squad, mm. especially because, as I mentioned before, the Giants, the way that they run their team is the way that the Rockies should be running their team. God, if only, man. I would love it. Believe me, I would love it, but if only. Um, Awesome. I think you guys are I, – I would also like to see the Giants go ahead and take it. And maybe that's sacrilegious as a Rockies fan, but – like Evan said, nuts to it. What do I care? The lesser I of two evils. Win. Look, man, I've been to games with my pops at a – well, I was going to call it what it used to be called. What's, it, what's the Giants stadium called now? Oracle? Yeah. Okay. I, just, I, can't, I was going to call it its old name. But uh, I've been to a bunch of games with my pops in San Francisco. It's a great place to catch a baseball game. Um, you know, I, I've had some good memories there. I'm fine at the Giants winning. And yeah, like Evan said, how can you dislike Buster Posey? The guy – is a hall of famer to me last little bit here our last topic is a question for both of you guys this might not take very long but sometimes you hear uh situations where you wonder which is a better performer or performance is a perfect game more impressive than a a 16 inning no hitter is it more impressive to hit 55 home runs in a season or four in one game we had two impressive performances this past week. I want to ask you both what they are. This is our last little segment of the day. We had uh, Adam Wainwright threw a two-hit shutout on just 88 pitches 
Uh, a shutout thrown with less than 100 pitches is known as a Maddox. A fantastic performance uh, from Wayne Wright. Someone of his respectfully advanced age here in the major leagues uh, doing uh, an outing like that is fantastic. And then we also had Corbin Burns of the Brewers strike out 10 straight hitters in his outing this past week. So this might not be a lengthy discussion, but just a curious question for you both. And on Twitter, feel free to let us know which one you think is the better performance, but which of those two is a more impressive feat? I'll start with Evan. Do you like Wayno's two-hit Maddox, or do you like Corbin Burton striking out 10? Uh, so I'm actually going to go with the two-hit Maddox by Wayno. Really? Explain. I think the strikeouts are strikeouts are cool, and I think I don't want to take away it all from Corbin Burns. Really, really impressive performance. But the dominant efficiency of an 88-pitch complete game shutout with only two hits is awe-inspiring to me. Mm. It's all about the the domination and the efficiency of it all, and I think i got to give that to Wayno. I like it. Skyler, you like the Maddox, or are you a strikeout guy? Uh, oh, this is a tough one, because I was looking... It is a tough one, right? <laughs> I was looking up the opponents for both of these, and... <laughs> No, sometimes the opponent kind of plays into the factor. Whereas with Corbin Burns, it was against the dilapidated Cubs, I believe. <laughs> so the uh, the who's who of Cubs players currently. Of course. And then the Pirates, who are just in perennial rebuild mode every year, uh, mm-hmm. who are always selling off pieces. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the Maddox by Adam Wainwright. Uh, Interesting. Just because looking at what Maddox's age is now, you know, he's getting up there. You know, he's not pumping heat. You know, he's not a young buck throwing 103 every single pitch or every single game where, you know, he's had to get crafty over his career. And, you know, the older he get, the more crafty and, you know, efficient the pitcher becomes. And, you know, I just love that old school style of pitching like Greg Maddox. Mm-hmm. Nice and efficient, pound the zone, throw strikes, put balls in play, get the outs. Oh, it's all all really fun. And you know that pirate that pirates team, they're not terrible. They've got guys on there that are up and coming. <laughs> oh, and they got a young crew with some good pieces in the coming years. Oh, yeah, they're trying to convince us over here. Yeah. The pirates aren't awful. <laughs> but at least you know who people on the Pirates are. I'm like, I don't know who anybody on the Cubs is anymore sure. after they had their fire sale and everything. So, oh, but still, that, that efficiency in today's game of being able to throw a two-hit shutout with only 88 pitches, that's just – it's that's becoming even more rare than guys racking up 10 or so strikeouts. You know, doing it in a row, yes, it's really impressive. Uh, but also how many times do we see guys just rack up 10 total throughout a game? Sure. Uh, and so oh, that, that sheer dominance by Corbin, Corbin Burns, good on him, but I'm going to go with, go with Adam Wainwright's Maddox. That is so interesting to me. And maybe I'm the odd man out here because I agree that strikeouts are kind of like the, the stat that people think is really cool. I personally agree that the Maddox is an unbelievable feat, for me, though, I'm going to be the outlier. I'm going to be the strikeout guy, and I understand that the Cubs are a depleted team. I totally get that they have, you know, re- respectfully, they don't really have any stars left, and I totally get that this feat 
a month and a half ago is far, far more impressive than it is now. At the same time, I know we see a lot of strikeouts in today's game. I know the numbers are going up constantly. But striking out 10 in a game is one thing. Striking out 10 in a row? You have 10 hitters come to the plate and every single one goes down on Ks? That's insanity. I know that that's so much more achievable now than it maybe ever has been in the game's history, but I still think it is so absurd. I know it's amazing that Wainwright is so efficient, especially as long as he's been going. He's one of the greats, certainly in Cardinals history, and maybe one of the better pitchers we've seen in our generation, but I think the 10 strikeouts, that's just what it's going to be for me. I know that that's sort of like the the surface-level take just because strikeouts are, are, you know, the sexier stat or whatever, but... Yeah, I think I think for me I'm gonna be the strikeout guy. It would have been more impressive if it hadn't been the second time it's happened this season. Because uh, Aaron okay. Nola did well, it with the Phillies. He did. And he did. That's a good point. So like, if if, if Aaron Nola hadn't done that, then yeah, like I'd probably go with him. Cause first time since Tom Seaver. But it's almost happened like three times. It's happened twice, and then remember Jacob Degrom almost did it to the Rockies. Yep. Yep. Oh. Well, that kind of deflates my entire argument. <laughs> for that. <laughs> Appreciate you shooting my legs out from underneath me, brother. No, you can like. And on what that, you let's like. wrap this show up. Let me let me wrap the show up before I get called out some more by my brothers here. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, this was a rough one for me, but a great episode from Evan and Skyler as usual. Appreciate you guys listening in. We always love doing this podcast. It's the highlight of our week, man. We have a lot of fun having these conversations about the Rockies about baseball. Before we go, I do want to make two quick, quick, quick mentions. Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles officially calling it a career, retiring after 13 seasons of the majors. I always love watching him, you know, blast long balls out into Camden Yards. I know he has not exactly been an all-star last couple seasons, but he'll always have a place in my heart. I got love for Chris Davis, man. Wish him nothing but the best in his retirement. Um, and then uh, we also didn't get to mention this it happened right as we were recording last week but uh a couple weeks ago we lost jr richard um a pioneering pitcher of the houston astros organization evan you have some more information on jr richard uh yeah so james rodney jr richard 10 years with the houston astros is one of the list of mudcat grant who we also lost earlier this year one of the black aces uh african-american or black pitchers who won more than 20 games in a single season and uh, jr richard's single season for that was 1976 where he posted a record of 20 and 15 in that year he had an era of 325 but he would go on to win an era title later in his career his era after 1976 never dipped below Pardon me. Was never above four. Um, so we lost Mudcat Mudcat Grant, who created the list of black aces in June, and now we've lost J.R. Richard. Uh, for those of you who don't know about the black aces, it's a very limited, uh, exclusive list created by Mudcat Grant, uh, including Vita Blue, Al Downing, Bob Gibson, Dwight Gooden, Grant himself, Fergie Jenkins, Sam Jones. Don Newcomb, Mike Norris, J.R. Richard, Dave Stewart, and Earl Wilson. Uh, after he created the list, there were three more to join that club, and Dontrell Willis, C.C. Sabathia, and David Price. But it's a very exclusive list, and J.R. Richard, he's not a 
Hall of Famer, but he was still one of the best. He was one of the best pitchers in Houston Astros history, and it's sad to see him go. Unfortunately, it's been a pretty rough year for baseball legends over the last little bit of time. Yeah, J.R. Richard was very involved in the, the Houston community, especially setting up um, financial donors to set up baseball programs for kids uh, in the Houston area. So huge loss for Houston, huge loss for baseball. Uh, obviously, condolences, love out to his family, his supporters, everything like that. So God love for J.R. Richard, man. All right. Thank you again for joining us. Real quick, we'll do our wrap up. Where can these fine folks listening find you on Twitter, Skyler? You can find me at at sideline underscore crowd. Perfect. And then Evan. You can hit me up at at Evan underscore Lang 27 on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. There's also the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. And then you can find myself at Cormac, C-O-R-M-A-C, Battle Pro. Talk to me about baseball. Talk to me about the Field of Dreams. And talk to me about Malachi Black and his awesome, awesome, awesome new gear. Thank you so much for tuning in to Affected by Altitude. You catch us here, same time, same channel next week. We'll have some more Rockies and baseball updates. In the meantime, everyone have a great week. Stay safe. Stay cool. We'll talk to y'all same time next week. Yeah. Farewell. Bye, y'all.